0: Good morning everybody, how are you today? Today, Be'ezot Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud Gimel, Maseches Psachim But we will begin six lines up From the bottom of Yud, Bezom and Bez Where it says Amar Ravashi uh, The third word over there uh, We always say the shir Le'il Nishmas of Chaim Zev Um We're also going to say it today Le'il Nishmas Yisrael Ben Yaakov Wow, this week's Parsha Yisra, Yaakov becomes Yisrael Yisrael ben Yaakov Singer, Andrew's uh, uncle, um, who was Zoche Arichus Yamim, and, uh, we wish that the Neshama should have an Aliyah, we Be Zochet to hear Basurus Tovas in the future. Okay, so Omar of Ashi. I actually sometimes listen to myself after, after the Shir, and yesterday I did get an opportunity to do that, and I realized that early in the Shir, we were discussing what is the discrepancy, uh, what is the margin for error that we have for human beings in the time, right, of the Mishnayis, uh when people didn't have wrist watches and, and, and atomic watches, and they were looking at the sun. And I realized that I first, in the beginning of the year, I was talking about a discrepancy. Machlokas Ramey and Rabbi Yehuda is an our Mishnah. The Machlokas Ramey and Rabbi Yehuda is one hour versus two hours. Because, right, because Rabbi Mayer wants you to stop eating um, one hour before te- Mido Raysa, you're supposed to stop eating at the end of the sixth hour. Rabbi Mayer wants you to stop eating um, at the end of the fifth hour. Rabbi Huda wants you to stop eating at the end of the fourth hour. So if the reason why they want you to stop eating is because people don't know where the sun is exactly in the early morning and... Therefore, we want to have a little bit of a buffer, so then the machlokas would be, what is the margin of error? One hour versus two hours. Then we brought yesterday, we spent a lot of time yesterday, on the Mishnah and Sanhedrin, where there was a similar dispute between the same, right, Rehmeyer and Rabbi Yehuda, but there the difference was between two and three hours. And so I saw that in the in the beginning of the shear, I was a little confused because I was describing the one hour, two hour discrepancy in the beginning. I straightened myself out somewhere in the middle. Um, it just, the, it didn't really make any difference in terms of the give and take of the Gemara, but it did uh, affect some of the math when we were talking about it uh, earlier. But that becomes the topic of the Gemara now. The topic of the Gemara now is why is it that the dispute is between one hour and two hour in our Mishnah in Psochem and in the Mishnah in Sanhedrin it's a Machlokas of two hours versus three hours? That's what we're discussing now. So Amaravashi, so I don't normally like to justify my mistakes but this one really was was a legitimate confusion based off of the two different uh, things going on in the Mishnah and we'll address that now. So the Gemara talks like this. Amaravashi, Avashi, be'edus kach machlokas and you would think that, right? In other words, just like they had a mechelokas from Yehuda about what the margin for error is with ours in the edus over there in Sanhedrin, so too it's over here in Psachim, the Gemara says Pshita, hainu Yeah, of course. That's why we're talking about this. <laughs> that's what we said. This is why we were discussing the Sanhedrin. But the question is, why would it be different? So the Gemara answers, Kamash Malan, Shinuye DeShaninon, Shinuyahu. In other words, what, the Gemara is, what Ravashi is trying to tell us, right, that is that we don't have two different, right, authors of these two different Mishnayas, um, the one in Sanhedrin and the one over here in Psachim, that are arguing with each other whether the Makhlokas is one and two hours or two and three hours. Rather, it's the same Tanaic source the Mishnais are consistent. And if that's the case, then all you really have to justify is why would the hours by Chomets be different than the hours by Edus? But it's the same author. In other words, it's all the same consistent uh, sources. Okay, that's what this part of the Gemara means. So then what would it be? So first of all, uh, as follows. Amar v'shimi Ashi. So this is written hour of Ravashi's son, apparently. Lo shanu ele So first of all, a side point that everybody's going to agree that this discrepancy of one or two hours, that's only when, let's say, it's mid-morning and the sun's in the sky. So to tell you what the position of the sun in the sky is, that's where human beings start to get confused and have that margin for error. But to tell you the difference between night and day, right, sometimes an hour, like right now. In an hour from now, it's going to be daylight, but right now it looks like pitch black outside. So, so to tell you the difference, so even though it's only an hour apart, everybody would agree that that atis is going to get thrown out if we're an hour apart in that regard. Okay, so the Gemara says pshita. Well, that's obvious. Obviously, the difference between night and day. I mean, it's like night and day, right? It's it's literally as as dis, as discrepant as it could be. <speaking in Hebrew> so really, what Rav Shimi Barashi was. Thing was that omer <laughs> That what it really means is though that even if it's not like now where it's 5.40 a.m. and it looks like nighttime versus uh, later at 6.40 where it's gonna look like morning, it's not talking about that case. That's not what Shimi Barash is talking about. He's talking about that sunrise time where you see like a little bit of 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 the lightning of the sky versus when you actually see the sun ball come up, which is Hanei then Eidus and that that if one says that they saw the sky, that it was the beginning of the morning, so you would think that maybe there you would have the Hava Amina, right? You might consider there that you don't throw out that Edus because one is, they're both saying that it's early morning at some point, but still, the Shot is that a dusan betela that even though that may only be let's say twenty or thirty minutes apart, there you're still throwing out the testimony because after all, you can see the sunball right so and that's something that's very verifiable. And therefore, this is not just a question of we didn't remember exactly where the sun was positioned in the sky. It's really more fundamental than that, and we do not accept Adim, where one thinks that they saw the sun ball when when they saw the incident, and the other one thinks that they just saw the lightning in the sky. We will throw that out. Eduson betela. The Gemara says, Hanami pshita. Well, again, this is a recognizable event in the sky that nobody should confuse, and therefore that should be obvious also. says, The Gemara, the same vayuch, maybe they're both saying, listen, it was, it was the crack of dawn, right? As we arrive at the havakai, right? When the first guy was saying that it was during neitzachama, right? He was saying it was during Vasikin. He just means he saw some light in the sky. He was talking about that, that pre-sunrise glow. And he's just talking about like sun rays a little bit that he saw. Kamash Malan, Rav Barashi is coming to t- tell you that that's not the case, that really we our expectations of precision with regards to time are actually, we have big expectations. We want a witness to know. Did you see the sunball, or did you just see a little bit of a lightning in the sky? But... But when it comes to mid-morning, we can't have that expectation of knowing exactly where the sun was in the sky. But when you're talking about the difference between the crack of dawn and the actual sunball coming up, that's something that we would expect the witnesses to know, and it could be enough to disqualify witnesses if they don't get that right. Okay. So now, two lines down. On Yom Gimel and B'Alef, of Nachman, Amar he's going to lay down what is the halacha in our Mishnah. Says, Amar of Nachman, Rav, halacha karabi Yehuda that the halacha is in fact like Rabbi Yehuda, and we know that to be the case, that we finish eating chametz at the end of the fourth hour, and then we suspend it in the fifth hour, and then we burn it at the end of the sixth hour. So, the Gemara asks, or we, or we uh, burn it in the sixth hour, in the beginning. So, Amar le'i rabbaler of Nachman, v'neima mar halacha ki rabbi so Rava says to Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman quoted Rava saying that the halachas are like Rabbi Huda. We're going to see that that is in fact the case. However, we have some when we make halachic decisions, we have some general laws. We have some general protocols with, when it comes to making halachic decision. Rabbi Walter or Moshe Walter, the great rabbi in Woodside Synagogue in Silver Spring. He has two volumes now on the anatomy of making halakhic decisions. How are halakhic decisions made? And he takes you all the way from the, gemar- from the Mishnah to the Gemara to the classic post game, etc. So there are certain protocols that we have. We learned a lot of those in Erevin, as you might recall, that when you have two, two different mandamars, the alacha is like one or the other. So here we have the protocol as follows Vineyma mar halacha karibi mayor. Maybe the alacha should be a mayor for what reason? The because we know that there's that there's a stam Mishnah. A stam Mishnah is usually like Rabbi Mayer, and therefore we assume there is a stam Mishnah, and we assume that that Mishnah is Rabbi Mayer. As follows, Ditznan. We learn a Mishnah. This Mishnah is going to be next week. Next week we're going to learn the following Mishnah. Kol or I think it's next Shabbos. Kol Okay, it's an unusual language. Any time that you're allowed to eat chametz, you can also feed it to your animals. Okay, that the implication in that mishnah is that as any time that you're not allowed to eat chametz, you also can't have hanah from it. Meaning, you can't feeding your animals is 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 another way of saying that you can have hanah from it. Well, interestingly enough, remember Rabbi Huda has the idea of tolin, right? The fifth hour of Rabbi of, of a mayor, you're already eating, uh, according to Rabbi Meir, you can neither eat it nor get Hana from it. According to Rabbi Yehuda, in the, so that's consistent with the Mishnah and Chafalif. According to Rabbi Yehuda, in the fifth hour, you can no longer eat it, but you can still get Hanah from it. That's what we mean by tolin, right? It's suspended, hanging there like a matzo ball, Garano. Okay, so, so therefore, um, it sounds like the Mishnah and Chafalaf is consistent more with Rabbi Mayer because it says there is no such time of Tolin where you can not, not eat it anymore, but you can still get hana. So, so and that Mishnah doesn't have anybody attributed to it. Therefore, halacha should be like the Stam Mishnah, and that Stam Mishnah should be like Rabbi Meir. And therefore, why are is Rav being quoted as Pasquini like Rabbi Yehuda? So Gemara answers, ah, he loves Stamahu. No, that that was not a Stam Mishnah in Chafalif. Why? Uh, it's going to be because of an unusual language. Mishum Kashir muter. Because over there in the Gemara, they 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 had the language mutter right kol shasim mutter. The Mishnah had the language mutter, and the Gemara asked about it kol shasim mutter machil. Right, in other words, it says there mutter that seems to follow the view of not Rabbi Yehuda or Rabbi Meir, but it implies Rashi explains that we that we have. Mutter, what's mutter? We have certain people, shah she acherim, mutter lahem What hour is that? So you might recall, in our very Mishnah, we had Rabbi Meir who said that by the, that you can eat all the way till the end of the fifth hour. We had Rabbi Yehuda who said that in the fifth hour, you already cannot eat. And it's just, right, you can have hand off from it. And we had Rabbi Gamliel who threw in a wrinkle. He said that fifth hour is reserved for what? For the Kohanim's consumption of Truma. Oh. The Kohanim's consumption of truma is; those are the people for which that consumption is mutter in at that time. Okay, so that is implied in in the language of the Mishnah in Chafalaf, where it says mutter. and therefore that is not a Stam Mishnah over there in Chafalaf, but rather it's a Mishnah like Rabban Gamliel. So then the Gemara says, Mar the Machriya." So now we have kind of. Uh, a reason to think that maybe the halacha shouldn't be like Rabbi Meir or like Rabbi huda maybe the halacha should be like Rabbi Gamliel because right so so um, there's really two reasons the reason they're bringing here now is that normally if you have a Tana posing a position and then another Tana saying a different position and then a the third one coming in right we say it every morning in the Midas of Rabbi Ishmael so that's with Sukim. When you have a third pasuk that's a middle position, you usually you call that the machria, that which decides the fact. So similarly here, Rabbi Gamliel comes in in the middle; he's the machria, and therefore that's a different halachic protocol. Maybe we should go like him. Now Tosis points out uh, there's another reason why to go like Rabbi Mishnah, like Rabbi uh, Gamliel, because we just said that 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 Stam Mishnah was like Rabbi Gamliel. So that's a different reason. That's also the luchos should be like a stam and the stam because of the word mutter sounds like it's like Rabban Gamliel. So that's that first Tosfos and Gimel. and Tosfos gives um, reasons the ema samich. What's the Ba'is ema? So that's what we're about to read. That we're kind of like throwing that out. This whole idea of that that approach, that stream of idea that has to do with stamishna we kind of throw out, and we have other reasons to uh decide the halacha like either Rabbi Meir or, or Rabbi Yehuda. But be that as it may, the Gemara answers with regards to this first suggestion of Rabbi Gamliel being Machriah, Amalai, Rabbi Gamliel love Machriahud, because Tam did Amar. Even though it sounds, says the Gemara, even though it sounds like Rabbi Meir is posing one idea and Rabbi Yehuda a different idea, and Rabbi Gamliel is coming out with a hybrid idea in the middle, he's not really coming out with a hybrid idea in the middle. Rather He's saying his own novel idea. Okay, he's Tom de nafshikamor. He's saying his own thing, and that's not really what a machria is. Technically, machria is supposed to be that the, the way machria works is that it's a derivative of one of the two shitas. So, if the machria is one of the two shitas, then what he's doing is you group him right with with whichever shita he seems to be a derivative of. Now you have two against one. That's how machria works. A machria breaks the vote. Right, breaks a tie vote, right by actually leaning towards one sheet or another. So then, when you say Tom de amar, what that means is that he's not really leaning towards mayor or Rabbi Yehuda. He's just saying his own thing. He sounds like a derivative of Rabbi Yehuda, right? Because he's making you stop eating. Most people he makes stop eating at the end, uh, right, of the fourth hour. But on the other hand, he's allowing Kohanim to eat later. So you could say maybe there's a reason. Kohanim is the reason. Okay, but that's the Gemara saying that it's really its own standalone shita. Therefore, it can't serve as a mechriah. And therefore, um, it doesn't point towards one or the other. And so we're going to f- continue in the Gemara for another source for why Rav would say is like Rabbi Yehuda as follows. This is where Tosva says we're really paying attention now. Rav, tana. Rav said according to the different Tana, the Tanya, could he said in a different price as follows. Uh, when are we going to have that? Does that ever come up in the calendar? Yeah, this year. This coming year we're going to have this. Okay? That when you have Erev Pesach on Shabbos, three-day yontiv as we call it over here in Baltimore, So obviously you're not going to do all the burning of the chametz on Erev Pesach because that's Shabbos. So where do you do it? You do it on Erev Shabbos. Right? On your Gimel. Uh, trumos, tameos, tluios, mitahoros, And we burn all the truma. Now, we said this was in the Sheet of Ram Gamlia, we had an issue with this, right? You're not supposed to burn truma. Truma, you're supposed to eat so long as, as, as you can. But here we see that an heir of Shabbos, right, you're not going to be able to know what the status of all these things are going to be on Shabbos. So, there's three categories here. There's trumos, tameos. Truma, that's tame anyways, you're going to want to burn but you're also going to burn the, the tahoros, truma that's tahor that normally the kohanim can eat. Well, you're not going to have enough kohanim to eat it, so you have to burn it because you're not going to be able to burn it on Shabbos. And also tsluyos, which is suspended in the sense that we don't even know yet whether it's tame or Normally we would leave it over, but here we have to burn it. Okay, So we burn basically all the truma, right? Because we don't know, we're not going to be able to eat it, and we're not going to be able to burn it, and we can't keep the chametz around. We really have a truma conundrum in a situation like this. If it was a regular Friday and it wasn't Shabbos, then whatever is left over, you just burn. But here, you have a Shabbos shachalios a Shabbos that's an erev Pesach, and you can't burn that truma. So you really have a truma conundrum in those days, and so you'd have to, and so you'd have to uh, just hedge your bet, so to speak, and burn whatever you need to burn already on Erev Shabbos, you have to calculate ahead of time, and, "Um in other words, of all the chametz you're going to burn, right? we're used to this part. right? We burn all the chametz, we get rid of everything, except for what we're going to eat on Erev Pesach. So in this case, what you're going to retain to eat on Erev Pesach is going to be truma. right? Because you're trying to minimize the burning of truma. right? This is what we encountered yesterday. Anytime you have truma, you don't really want to burn it. You want to be able to eat it. So that's what you're going to preserve. You're going to preserve the truma. But unfortunately, uh, in this case, there is going to be truma that you're going to have to burn because you can't leave over the chametz for Erev Pesach on Shabbos. Okay. So you leave over two Sudos worth. There is a discussion, of course. Rebari Elibowitz, the great Tafyomi master, is going to get into it and we're going to deal with it this year. Right? an on Erev Pesach that Shechaliyos B'Shabes. What, what do you do, This It's like four shitas. Do you eat fruit? Are you just going to learn Torah? Are you going to have egg matzah? Are you going to have, are you going to, eat it, are you going to eat Shal Shudas at 10 in the morning? Okay. So, all the different ways of dealing with uh, Shal Shudas on Erev Pesach, uh, Shechal Yos B'Shabbes. Anyways, so here, interestingly enough, right, the Gemara just assumes that you're only going to eat, uh, you're going to ha- or only going to eat the Shtey Sudos. All right, Kidei Lechol arba arbashas. Enough to eat, right, it makes sense. Some people want to extend that to Shal all all during the year that maybe you don't need to ever eat Shalosh. But of course, er Pesach is is unique, right? Because you can't eat Matz and you can't eat Pesach and you can't eat chametz. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, all right. Now, so now, so, you're going to leave over the stays Sudos, Kedei Lechol Ad Arba Shalos. Enough to eat, right, within the first four hours of the day. De'er Rebbe lazar Ben Yehuda, Ish Tosa. Rebbe Ben Yehuda said this language, Amar Mishu Mubi and he said in the name of Yeshua, and Amr Lo, and to him they said so here's the discussion that ends up taking place over there on Chafalif, where they tell him, uh, is that where that is on uh, And that was the previous gemara. Uh, it, it, it has, I think, the discussion is over there with regards to the truma. So basically, what they say to him over there, to yisarfu. Maybe you shouldn't burn it. In other words, what are we doing? We're burning on Friday. Right, before, two days before Pesach, we're burning Truma, which you never really want to do, but we have no choice because we think that we're not going to find anybody to eat it on Shabbos and we can't burn it on Shabbos. So they said to him, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe you'll find some guests, you'll be, you'll be able to, instead of burning Truma, which you want to avoid, maybe you'll find somebody to eat it. And even if you don't know for sure that you'll find somebody to eat it, just the fact that there's a possibility that somebody's going to come and eat it should maybe give you pause and prevent you from burning, truma, which you want to avoid. So I'm I called everybody. I tried to invite everybody for Shabbos and there, nobody's taking so I know that nobody's coming for Shabbos. So I'm low. so the dialogue was, maybe somebody's going to walk in from Owings Mills or something, I, so you asked everybody in Baltimore in your neighborhood, but maybe somebody's going to come from somewhere else. So, so then, okay, so then why, as we mentioned already, there was three categories, right? Truma, Tahora for sure, Temea for sure. Temea we're going to burn for sure, that we always do. But the, but how about the third category? The Truma that was in, in, in the state of, right, Safek, Tluyos, where we wasn't sure whether it's Tamea Maybe we should, you're going to love this, Goranowitz maybe we should leave this and not burn that either. Why? Shema Yovah Eliyoh v'etarim. Eliyoh and Novi is going to potentially come on and he's going to make them Tahar. So why am I burning Truma? that might end up being Tahar Truma. So Arm they said, no, that, come on. You're not going to wait, like what, you're going to say that Eliyoh and Novi is going to come? But not for the reason you think. Not because uh, you've been waiting for him all this time and you're getting despondent. Of course Eliyoh could come, except for what? We already know that Eliyahu Navi doesn't come on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantiv because he doesn't want it. We have, We're busy enough on those days. He doesn't want to upset us. He doesn't want to be uh, matriachas, and therefore he's going to come when it's a little bit more convenient for us. That already is a discussion. I mean, we would probably be happy uh, even on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantiv, you would like to think, right? But be that as it may, that's a tradition. We already mentioned this. Um, uh, I think it was in Masechah Shabbos. And so, therefore, because of the fact that Eliyot is not going to come and reconcile this issue on Erev uh, Shabbos or on Erev Yontiv, in this case it's Erev Yontiv, uh, because of that case, then we know that we're not going to have an answer to these Tluyos then, and that's why we can burn that as well. Okay. So now, Amru. The B'raisha said, Lo Interesting language. The, nobody was, nobody got out of that base medish until they worked it all out, and they said the halacha was like, okay. So now, wait a minute. So, my love afilu So, so when it came to this, there was a component of, of the halacha that had to do with the truma, and that's what we've been focusing until now. But, with regards to when to finish eating Chametz, he was in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda. He said, you have to finish eating the Chametz before the end of the fourth hour. So, that seems to be a data point to prove that halacha should be like Rabbi Yehuda, but the Gemara rejects it. That idea of the fourth hour, he wasn't talking about, um, it was they. They didn't. They didn't go and they established a lacha like him. Right when it says that they didn't move anywhere until they established a lacha like him. So just like in the Gemara, we've been focusing on disposing of the truma. So too in the base medrash, when they established a lacha, they were focused on disposing of the truma. But they didn't really establish a lacha like him with regards to what his position was. Right. Um, what his position was with regards to when you have to stop eating chametz. So even though that his position in that scenario was like Rabbi Yehuda, that is not the part that they latched onto. They were just talking about the truma disposal halacha. They weren't talking about when to stop eating and therefore they sort of separated that out and that was not something that they insisted on. Okay. So we still don't know where of Nachman got this idea that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. So let's see. Says the Gemara 11, up line, 11 lines up from the wide lines. Rebbe also uh, was agreeing with Rebbe Nachman. An interesting Maisa that's going to be illustrative in terms of whether we hold a Rabbi Huda or a Meir as follows. This, can you imagine such a person? A person leaves. You ever get left holding the bag? So this was literally, you get left holding the bag. Person The person, that word sounds a lot like the word sack, which is kind of what it means. You have to sack full of chametz. Okay, he said, hey, do you mind watching this giant sack full of for me? <clears throat> when did this take place? On Erev Pesach. That's not a good time to leave a sack of chametz for your friend to watch for you. We already discussed when you're watching this chametz for your friend and you have a chryas for it, then you actually, it becomes a, a certain level of ownership where you, you really do uh, have to worry about uh, having it around. And from that point, things got worse. So sure enough, Rav Yochanan Chakuka has the sack of chametz, and mice get to it, and now chametz is pouring out of this giant sack of chametz on of Pesach. This is not good. So, V'alifnei Rabbi. so Yochanan Chakukah is going to Rabbi, and he says, Shari Shona, and he said, what am I supposed to do? This, I, I, I'm, I'm responsible for this giant sack of chametz in Erev Pesach. I'm getting anxious. So, Shari Shona, Am Tain. So the first day, I said, wait, wait, don't worry, the guy is going to come back for his chametz. Shniya Amaloham The second, he, he was preaching patience. Shlisha Amaloham This is getting nerve-wracking. Revius now. It's the Shari revius Erev Pesach. Sack full of chametz, leeching out chametz, everything's spilling. This is terrible. But still, fourth hour, he's still saying Hamtain, chamishas amelo You know what? Fifth hour, he said go sell it. Now this is the beginning of the fifth hour. According to Rabbi Yehuda, you can no longer eat it, but you could still have Hana from it. So that sounds a little bit like Rabbi Yehuda, but the Gemara is going to flush it out a little bit. My lav Nachrim, right? What was Rabbi's suggestion to Rabbi It had to have been go sell it to in the shuk to non-Jews, right? Ki Rabbi Yehuda. And that would be in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, right? Because that means that he cannot, right, eat it, but he could still sell it to others who can eat it, to those who don't uh, follow these halachas, uh, to, meaning to non-Jews. So, the Gemara says, so that sounds like Rabbi held like Rabbi Yehuda. But the Gemara says, no, I'm Rabbi Yosef, lo, le, Yisrael. Meir. Maybe he meant, what? Sell the chametz to a Jew. And therefore, there'd be no difference between a Jew and a non-Jew in this regard, and therefore, basically, Karebi Meir, right? He's basically saying that chametz is still allowed during the fifth hour, and during that last hour, right, the eleventh hour, as it were, or technically the fifth hour, in that hour, he's selling it to a Jew, because according to a Meir, you could still eat it in that fifth hour. And that's why the suggestion was to sell it to a Jew. But the Gemara says, well, what? How could that be possible, Rabbi Yosef? Amalei Abaye, Abaye questions, Rabbi Yosef. Ili Israel, Nishkil and Anavshe. What do you, I mean, like, you're gonna sell somebody a headache? You're gonna sell, it's like, it's like, um, you'd have to be a really good salesman to be able to sell chametz to a Jew in the last hour that you're allowed to eat it on Erev Pesach, right? That that is that that's that's crazy. If you're going to go to the shuk at Selti Yisrael with an hour left until until the iser achila, then nishkale nasha. You might as well keep it yourself. How are you going to? That's going to be a very hard sales job. That's the that's what you're busy doing the last hour of uh, of achilas So the Rav Yosef says, no. You know what? You can't really keep it to yourself. Why? Meshum because this is an idea that you can't take the food for yourself because there's there's it's bad. It's a bad look. There's a certain idea of chashad when we come to the person who is in charge. Somebody leaves you in charge with something, you can't have any, you have to take away any element of suspicion that you were eyeing that object that you were responsible for. And therefore, if you end up eating the chametz, then, then there may be this perception that you were eyeing the chametz all along, and that is a perception we want to avoid, therefore you're better off selling it off and having somebody else uh, take it just to show that you never really were eyeing it. You had no desire to have this object that you were watching. And we have another precedent for that idea as follows. De because we learn in the price as follows. Gabayit Tzedakah. In a different context, but same idea. If you're, let's say, the Gabayit Tzedakah, right? The person is collecting all the stuck all the charity on behalf of the Ani'ayi. So you got all the money. Uh, and let's say you got, and we're going to see also the tam choy, right? Let's say you're collecting food, right? So, and you don't have anybody to distribute. You distribute it to everybody in Baruch Hashem. There weren't that many to give it to. And you have a surplus. Portin l'acherev. So you don't keep those copper coins, right? Um, Ve'ein portin l'atzman. So when you have an exchange, right? Sometimes you get, let's say, copper, where you get pennies, right? You get pennies, Uh, and you have this giant thing, and then you want to exchange it into the bank for larger bills. So they say, no, no, no. Exchange it with other people. Don't exchange it for yourself. In other words, don't use, don't take the copper coins for yourself and exchange it for your own dollar bills, so to speak, or your own silver coins, because then it's going to seem like the reason why you held on to this is not because you ran out of anium, but because you love pennies. You're a penny collector. And so you don't want to, you want to get rid of any suspicion that you had the surplus for your own personal gain, and therefore the halacha is that you can exchange it with other people, with the bank or whatever, but not for for yourself. Similarly, gabayi tamchoy, administrators of like, right, the the soup kitchen. So those people, you're not going to eat the food yourself. You don't have other people... Any more to feed? You fed everybody. You're done for the day, and there's a little bit surplus of food. So you could theoretically say, you know what? I will donate money to tzedakah and take this food home to the family. No, you don't want to do that. You should sell it to other people because it shouldn't be that nobody should think that you gave less soup to the Anim because you love this soup so much that you wanted to buy it for your own family because all those people who are in the public eye should be beyond reproach, right? The public said it should be beyond reproach and completely innocent and free and clear of all of these suspicions, um, and that's why we tell them to do that. So anyway, with regards to that, so that what that's what he said, you should sell it potentially to Israel, that was where Yosef said that, and therefore he said, maybe you should sell it to Israel, but Abi said, well, Maybe if that's the case, then you should buy it yourself. But we said he can't buy it himself. So maybe it is true that he sells to Israel. But however, Amalei Rav Yosef, Beferish Kirabi Yehuda. We had somebody in the base Smedish who said it explicitly, that go sell it to the Nachrim And once you say go sell it to the Nachrim then it, it, that is, according to the Shita, that what? That the fifth hour is what? It's Asar b'achila, but muter That is straight up, exactly like Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore that story is very suggestive that we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, now elaborating on that particular incident, Amar Yosef kaman Azla Hashmait the Rebbe. Who does that halacha of Rebbe follow? Here, Shimon Ringam Like Shimon Ringam because we learned in the Mishnah. Oh, Hamafkid, Bov this is great. If you if you leave produce with your Right? With, 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 your fellow. Right? Even if they become ruined, you shouldn't touch it. because, Right? Again, it's more proper, right, uh, to do that. In other words, because you, you want to do Hashavas Aveda. Right? In the presence of Bezdin. So he's, so he's saying that Rebbe says that it, you can sell it. But he was following the view of Rav Shimon Gamliel. And that just has to do with the question of, again, this is a, a, a side issue in that story, which is you were asked to watch this item. And therefore, you're supposed to, right, think when you're asked to watch an item, you're supposed to watch the item and return it. Nobody wants you to sell it off. But in the story, you're, it's, the item is too hot to handle, right? You got Chamed, on an Pesach. You have to do something with it. So we're just saying that we have precedence to say that, when you have uh, these kinds of circumstances where you can't hold on to it, then you can sell it, right? Either you don't touch it or you can't sell it. So if Shimon Gamliel says you can sell it, if you have to, just sell it in Bebesdin, so to speak. Where, well, that's so to speak. You sell it in Bebesdin, but the, the situation is sell it in a controlled environment where obviously there's be no suspicion that there's foul play, but you can, in fact, sell it for monetary value because you have no choice. And so that is... What is behind our story? But be that as it may, the story is going to be uh, an indication that the halacha in our mishnah is like Rabbi Yehuda. Now, with regards to that story, to that analogy of that story to us, Didn't we say Amar Rabba Lo Shanu to your the That that I that that in, uh, in the parakamafkid. That's where the fruit wasn't reduced more than a normal measure, right? Right? The question there was, the produce in Boba Metziah, in that case, was the fruit was rotting, okay? So when the fruit was rotting, right, we said that really, you're not really supposed to um, to, to ever sell it to bezdin The only time you sell it to bezdin is when it's going to be Really rotting and losing value, and here everybody would agree, right, that that it was correct to sell the chametz because here he was not only going to lose value, it, it was going to completely have no value, right? Because what is less valuable to sell than chametz on actual Pesach? Because it's going to be aseranot to everybody. So it's not necessarily a reflection, but matziah. It's a little bit different, and that's what they're pointing out. All right, so now we've arrived three lines down, the two dots on your Gimel and Beis, and we're going to um, discuss this, these next little pieces in the Mishnah. You might recall, the Odom of Rabbi Yehuda, Chalos. You might recall, Rabbi Huda described the two Chalos of Truma, the Psusula, that were sitting there on the Itzdubba, right, in the of HaMikdash, to show people when was the fourth hour and when was the fifth hour. So, the Gemara's going to analyze this. Tani, Tanaka the Rabbi Huda. So a Bryce teacher was in front of Yehuda, and he says, and he questions the Lashon. Uh, Rabari Leibowitz points out that in, elsewhere in Shas, we qu- have the same question, but in the reverse. We said, Al-gav ha-itzbah, Al-gav ha-itzbah, sounds like you're hiding it. And here, what we're trying to do is actually having it in, in plain view so that people can see it. Right? We're trying to broadcast it uh the question in in the other place in shahs was the opposite we say al gaga and it and it would have made more sense to say al gav that has to do oh i just remember where it was it was in sukkah i believe it had to do definitely with the lulav how do you handle the lulavim when it's erv sukkahs and 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 you can't and you can't carry it because it's going to be shabbos so they used to bring the lulavim and keep them on al gava okay be as it may right you have to keep that sort of like protected be that as it may, Algava even though when we first read it, we thought in Hebrew, Algabe, right, that it's on top of the Itzbah we could see. But apparently, Algava Itzbah makes it sound like it's on the spine. These Itzbahs were these protrusions, right, these platforms in front of the base of a Mikdash. And so, Algav makes it sound like you're putting the, the bread somewhere where you can't see it. Rabbi Huda says, no, Amalei vechilatsnian No, you're not going to put it, vechilatsnian huzarach, you're not going to uh, try to hide them on the contrary you're trying to place them on high ground where everybody could see them in order to demonstrate when the fourth and the fifth hour is so therefore he just amends it he changes it to say that no it was on the roof of these protrusions of these benches which is to say in a very very visible area and that's consistent with our Mishnah with what we're trying to say um I couldn't figure out a Goranowitz moment about why you, we would get it wrong in both places, think that Gav is Gog and Gog is Gav, but uh, we'll, we'll, work, we'll work on it, work on it. Sometimes we don't know which way is up or which way is down, and we have to have Chazal straighten it out for us. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about these itztaba, these benches. Amar Rahva, Amar Rabbi Yehuda. stav kaful well, What's a stav kaful? It's a double row of benches, one row inside the other. This was the... Uh, configuration of the temple mount, may it be rebuilt speedily in our day. So Tanya and we also have a b'risa to suggest this har by same thing, two rows of benches, That's why they call it the Istvanis, the bench in the storefront, stav One stav, one row of benches uh, inside of another. Okay. Now we promised yesterday that we would talk about why these truma were puzzle. So two dots, ten lines down, psulos. What's this puzzle? Says the Gemara, am I psulos? Why are these truma puzzle? So Amar because they brought many many korban todas that the day before, and nifsalos belina, right? They invalid, they're they're not valid because again the korban toda has forty different kind of roles, Right? 10 matzos and 30 rolls. And it's supposed to be a carbon very famously. Because why? Because anytime you have a simcha, anytime you have a good, a, a, something good that happened to you, you have no choice but to share it with other ones. Share it with loved ones. Nobody, <laughs> nobody, even the hungriest person, Labriu, can, cannot eat 40 rolls. And therefore, sometimes you end up with a surplus. And the surplus gets invalid. You can't just leave that around. So, De Tanya, how do we know? Because we learned in the Bryce. So, you can't bring a korban todah certainly on Pesach. because as we just said, it has thirty rolls. You're gonna bring a korban with thirty pieces of bread on Pesach. That's obviously not gonna be that good. Why they bring on Pesach the best So, so, you, so they can't bring that korban. That's that's a good question. In other words, well, right, most, most of the Korbanists don't have chametz, so that's just one korban that you're gonna to have to hold off till after Pesach. Go so You're gonna bring, God willing, after Pesach this year, you're gonna bring korban todah. Okay, So the Gemara says, Pshita. obviously, you can't have roles, not even Mizonos roles. You can't have any roles as a shout out to Rabbi David and Rabbi, Rabbi Shavish. You can't have roles in the base of Mikdash on Pesach. That's crazy. Amar of Adabar Hava Hacha Arba Saraskina. Now we're talking about Harbasa. This is getting back to our issue. On, on Erev Pesach, you also can't have a surplus of roles. The Keshavar, Ein Mavin Kachon Lebeis Psul. Because, but the Tana holds that you can't right expose the other right the other kachim to to this base salt, to an area where you have psul. So everyone would bring the carbon toda on the thirteenth for that reason, and, we, and therefore talk Marubos, belina. And so, right, you didn't want to have exposed the other country to something that could become a puzzle in the middle of, of the 14th. So everybody brought it on the 13th, but they brought it on the 13th. So it's like a backlog, right? Anytime you have, you, you, were, you didn't have an opportunity, right? Like we were in quarantine for, and the, and the dental office was closed for three, four months. So, of course, all of the, all of the appointments got backlogged. Now you have a, an abundance of appointments when you go back. So similarly here, right? You got backlogged because you, there's going to be all of Pesach and also Arab Pesach. You can't bring the rolls. So you ended up with all the Korban being brought on the 13th and now you have all this challah laying around. And because of that, Nifsalos Belina, that's how you ended up with puzzle rolls, okay? Or another explanation, Mishum Rabbi Yanai Amru, right? Kesheros Hayu. The, no, they were actually not Zevach. They were called puzzle because you couldn't uh bring the carbon for them you couldn't bring a carbon for them um why so so let's see so let's see let it so, so why couldn't you bring the carbon with them let let slaughter the animal and then allow them to be eaten something happened where the animal was switched over and so we couldn't have the animal shechted, right and 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 make the then make the bread eaten this is this is all these carbons were brought with a with with this kind of carbon was brought, there was a carb, right, and a protein, right? You had the animal and also the loaves that were brought with it. So if you had loaves and you don't have an animal to shecht with it, then the loaves become sort of, sort of, even though they're kosher in their own right, they become pasal. So we say, so fine, so shecht the animal, and then you'll be able to eat the the bread. That's how it always works. So the Gemara answers da no. We couldn't find the animal. The animal got lost, we lost our carbon. Sagamar says, okay, so go bring another animal. And then shechdit. Sagamar so says, no. What's the case here? An individual designates the carbon toda, which is the animal portion of it, right? And it says, and this is its bread. And then you have the bread portion of that toda. So it's a really giant suda with the animal and the bread. And so those have already been designated. And we hold according to Rabbah, the amaraba, avaralecha, mevi Lechem acher. So we, what we have here is a primary and a secondary component of the korban Toda. And the animal, we're going to learn according to Rabbah, is the primary component. Such that the korban, right, the accompaniment is the bread, right? So when you lose an animal, you have lost the korban. Right, and the bread becomes invalid. If you lost bread, let's say you came and you say, hey, honey, did you bring the bread? Like, right, you're bringing the korban todah and it's a big suda, so you have a bunch of people helping you carry it, so you're schlepping the animal. That's the essential component. Somebody else who has dropped the ball, who was supposed to bring the bread, they lost it. So that's okay, you could always bring more bread, but you can't bring a different animal. The animal is the korban. So again, <laughs> if you lost the bread, you can always bring other bread. Of the toida, Ain may be But if you lose the actual carbon, you can't replace it. My what's the reason? Lechem glal It just means that the lechem is like the wingman of the toida. The lechem is because of the toida. The ain't Toda glal lechem, right? So one is subserving to the other. The bread is an accompaniment to the toida. The toida is not an accompaniment to the bread. They are not on equal footing, but one serves the other. And certainly the primary component of the korban is the animal itself. So if the animal is lost, you can't just bring another animal to replace the bread because the bread isn't holding the place for the animal. It's just supporting, so to speak. It's the support, supporting cast for that animal korban. Okay. okay, so redeem those breads and say, okay, we're no longer hekdesh, now it's chulin, And therefore they're not going to be puzzled. Why do you have to destroy them? So the Gemara says, No, this is an unusual case. The, you already brought the carbon and you already shakhted the carbon. So at that point, right, that bread is committed, certainly. You can't, you can't be podated. And even the blood of that particular carbon was already spilled. So the, that bread is fully committed and it's possible now because you can no longer, right, you can no longer, um, be, redeem it whatsoever. Uchaman and who holds that this is a thing? Karebi. Right, so when you have two mutter things, they can, they can elevate a korban one without the other on their own right. As follows, Detanya,. Let's say shavuos, you are bringing lamb, right, and you are bringing that, those korbanos es ha lechem That by doing the shchita, you've now consecrated that, the the lechem that comes with it. Kate said, how so? So we see that one aspect of a carbon affects the other. This is a transition, by the way. In the next few dafim, over the weekend and beyond, a little bit into next week, we're gonna learn a lot of a lot of Kachim and Taras. It's gonna be great. Anyway, so Lishman, Lishman. So you did all the proper things, you did the Shita lishma. you did the the blood spring lishma. maybe Bizakhra do this of uh all of that consecrated the bread and made the bread that came along with this korban, uh holy as well so to speak right sanctified dam and if you did the shita and the zrika not lishma so then the bread doesn't become consecrated so we see that these are what that these are interrelated that the bread and the cor- and, and and the animal and all the korban, but it affects the consumer of that bread Furthermore, let's say one of the component, the shechita and the, and the sprinkling of the blood. So the shechita was done okay. sprinkling of blood was not. So then, lechem so kaddish then you get this hybrid, um, sort of, uh, result with the bread, because you did one component, right, of, of the, of the carbon. You did it well. The other one you didn't do the lishma, and so you end up with this hybrid situation with the bread. That's what Rebbi says. So the truth of the matter is, what is this hybrid status of Rebbe is a little bit difficult to understand. But of Shimon is easy to understand. He just says until you do the entire korban properly, which is the shechita, and then the sprinkling, then you're not going to get the consecration of the bread. But once you once you have done it properly. Then of course the bread will be considered uh, consecrated. So we will stop here by Afilutema Rabbi Lazar Shimon, which is uh, eight lines up from the bottom, you'd give on the base. May everybody have a good Shabbos and we'd we'll be zocha to see all of these uh, aspects of the base Mikdash uh, with our own eyes soon.